After further review, as this is one of Frank's favorite songs. Do not listen to him. He is selling you snake oil. We don't sell snake oil, but we provide an entertaining and thought-provoking sports show on 88.3 WXUT. Saturdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And sometimes we provide a life lesson. Ain't that right, Frank? Life lesson, my ass. Don't be a hater. And tune in to AFR Saturday mornings, 11 to 1 on WXUT. After further review, it's got a little Matchbox 20 instrumental in there to kind of mixing it up for you guys here on 88.3 WTs. After further review, also we have on the phone lines the man, the myth, the legend, the guy that travels a lot. He's almost like a gypsy sort of, but he's in the city of Toledo and he gave us, carved out a little bit of time in his busy schedule here on a Friday as we tape here with Mr. Darren Cohn. What's up, Darren? Hey Derek, how you doing, man? Thank you. I am I am doing really well, Darren, and uh, thanks again for coming in with us today. No worries, man. No worries. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure yeah. to be entertaining and thought provoking with you guys. Oh <laughs> yeah, so you listen. To, you, you're a very insightful person. That's why I said I always like you. That's why you're getting the uh, the applause. So we're talking a little bit about NBA Finals since you are the NBA guru. Um, you want to be on the road this weekend, right? Are you doing stuff for people with the draft or training and anything or just going out of town? Yeah, a little bit of both. little, little uh, basketball related, a little, uh, you know, hopefully some sunshine for once here in the Midwest. Yeah, it's supposed to next week. Actually, today, summer started. I think it started around 7 a.m. of this Friday morning. So hopefully we stop being sleepless in Toledo, uh, Washington, because that's what it's felt like here with all <laughs> all this rain uh do you ever get a break every time we hit you up you're always on the go 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 well you know you got to stay active you got to stay active i guess you know it's hard to to define what a break is but um i I try to i'm always trying to live life to the fullest even you know and if it's monetized by work even better right and uh it looks like the, the nba is physically on break but obviously you're gonna have the draft and then by i believe next week on july 30th at 6 p.m going into july 1st you have all the off-season activities and all the trades going on but first actually about a week ago the nba season ended with the toronto raptors uh winning the nba championship uh your thoughts you know i was i was um i was surprised but not shocked um very impressed with Toronto and uh, and the performance they put on the floor and um, you know they they won the series you know Golden State um, just wasn't able to compete um, I thought Toronto made much better adjustments um, where I, I didn't really think Golden State made any adjustments I just thought they came came out and played and and tried to hope for a different result but um, Kawhi Leonard was the MVP and he was amazing but um, Toronto got great contributions off the bench with some of their backup bigs and their backup guards. And um, for a lot of the, the you know, disappointing playoff exits the Raptors have had in the last handful of years, um, and a lot of those, I think Kyle Lowry um, underperformed where, uh, you know, compared to his regular season standards, I thought he was tremendous in the playoffs and really was the difference maker um, because he uh, just really picked uh, Golden State apart off the pick and roll and off the ball screen actions. 
you know, Golden State found themselves just not guarding the actions. Uh, they, they, they did oftentimes what, what we kind of call shacking up. I mean, they didn't, they didn't get out there and hedge. They didn't switch. They didn't blitz. Um, but they didn't stay home either. They were kind of just like standing in no man's land, uh, like Shaq used to do back in the day more times than not. Um, so, you know, the, the ball screen defense was huge in that series. Um, and, you know, kudos to Toronto Raptors. Uh, very happy for them, and um, you know a lot of a lot of underachieving guys. You know, guys are uh, underachieving guys. That's not the right way to say it, but a lot of underheralded guys. You know, with their top, their highest draft pick being a, a number fifteen pick, and a lot of undrafted guys, and then and then even you know with Nick Nurse, uh, he's such a good dude and a blue collar grinder. Um, very happy for him. Have a good relationship with Nick, and you know, just you know, uh, to some extent, he was in the right place at the right time. But he took advantage of that opportunity and turned it into an NBA championship. So just awesome all the way around for Toronto, the team, the organization, the city, and, and their D League team as well, because there was a lot of people who, who kind of had played roles in both. Uh, yeah, I was I was gonna actually uh, ask you that. Well, what kind of adjustments could the Warriors make? I mean, Clay went. It, it just seemed like it was just a. a multitude of injuries looney durant clay thompson livingston on his last leg iguodala was kind of trying to push through a little bit did they just basically seem like they just ran out of gas and injuries just you know what people are going to wonder what would the series have been like if the warriors would have been fully healthy well if the warriors would have been fully healthy they would have won the series and i and i and i don't think it would have been super competitive but the reality is you don't get to you know, that's why you play the games and that's why you play the series is because you got to deal with real life circumstances. And, um, you know, Golden State did have a lot of injuries. Um, but at the end of the day, they still have three plus all stars uh, and, and an MVP and um, a championship pedigree. Or really four four guys have been all stars and an awesome coach. So, you know, I, I don't feel sorry for them. You know, I think they would have ran away with it if they had 100 percent. But I think they had enough uh, enough to win. Um, it just got beat, uh, is my honest opinion. And I think one of the m- most underheralded uh, injuries was Kevon Looney because mm-hmm. Kevon Looney was doing a tremendous job rebounding and a tremendous job of guarding the ball screen actions before he went down and in previous series. And I don't think enough attention was made to that, uh, how much that hurt. If Kevon Looney went down or didn't go down, I think Golden State still had enough to win the series because defensively they would have played the ball screens much differently and they wouldn't have gotten beat up on the board so much. Obviously everyone wants to talk about Kevin Durant as they should, but it wasn't that Golden State shouldn't have, couldn't have, couldn't have, or shouldn't have still won that series. But Kevon Looney was sort of the, the nail in the coffin when he went down. Um, they just, they just, uh, they had no answer. Yeah, he's a rim protector, and as we've said, I've said on this show, is that yeah, you you can't have your stars, but normally when you get deeper into the playoffs, and it's in basketball, in college, and the pro, it's usually the role players. They play a very significant role. You know, your all stars, you know, your superstars are going to be there, but it's going to be that one or two key role player that we don't really talk about that maybe gives you the edge to help you win the championship. No, there's no doubt about it. There's no, I mean, the, 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 the stars eventually should, if they both perform as they're supposed to, the stars cancel each other out. Right. So who gets that unexpected contribution, you know, and it ended up, you know, I guess you could say for Toronto, it was Fred, Fred Van Fleet, um, you know, but they had multiple contributions because I thought Ibaka was really good. Um, you know, they, they just, everybody who played for Toronto, you know, did a nice job, but, but Van Fleet's, 
contributions were probably above and beyond what was expected. And Golden State didn't necessarily have that. Um, you know, Looney wasn't going to score a ton of points, but the, the, the intangibles he brought to the table uh, were tremendous. I and mean, he's a guy that's just gotten better and better. And a, uh, a little, little unknown fact for you, Derek. The first scholarship offer that Kevon Looney ever received in high school was awarded by yours truly, Darren Cohn. When I was at Central Michigan University, I saw Kevon as a ninth grader before the summer, before his 10th grade year, uh, playing. Um, he's out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and he was playing with his AAU team. And I sat there, and him and his best friend was a – it was interesting. It was like a Muggsy Bogues scenario. His best friend is a five-foot-seven inch point guard who was really, really talented. And then Kevon was uh, 6'10", and they were, you know, at that age, and they were they were best wow. friends, six, maybe 6'9". Six, uh, but it was pretty, he's a pretty neat kid. He really blew up late in his recruiting process and had a chance to go to UCLA. But early on, it wasn't um, wasn't that heavily recruited and then uh, turned that opportunity into becoming a pro. So you mean to tell me he was 6'9 at 15? Yeah, as going into 10th grade, he was 6'9-ish, yeah. And long and super, super skinny, you know. Just think if you would have been able to pick him up, though, the, the differences would make. Maybe would you be still at Central Michigan? Well, I don't know that it really had anything to do with the scenarios there, but um, you know, the timing of it wouldn't have worked out. He was still in high school um, when I left Central Michigan. Okay, okay. That's just like Patrick Beverly committed to Toledo. I don't know if you knew that or not. I did know that. Yep, I did know that. Patrick was a tough player out of Chicago. Mm-hmm. And actually, back to when I was at Central Michigan, we played Arkansas. And he just tore us apart. I think he had like seven steals in their full court press. But, yep. Wow. You, you never know where guys are going to end up, that's for sure. Yeah, that's, that, 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 that's a good memory there. Now, talk a little bit. You, you've been you're all so, so much in the biz and, and been in it. Talk a little bit about Nick Nurse. And some people were, you know, Curry said that he had kind of a janky defense of a boxing one. And a lot of pundits were kind of chuckling a little bit because that's what you normally play at the lower levels. But it did get to the, the, the Warriors. Well, I don't know. I don't know who determines what you play at the lower levels or higher levels. What I do know is that uh, the NBA is a copycat league and everybody does the same thing. And and, you know, there's a lot of innovative people who um, get frustrated in the NBA because, you know, if if you think outside the box, you're kind of looked down upon. Mm -hmm. Uh, And but at the end of the day, you get paid to win. You know, Mm -hmm. it's much it's much different than college uh, where you got where you get paid to win, graduate players, raise money do community service, and there's a whole lot more to the gamut. In the NBA, you get paid to win, period. So I don't care how you win. You know, your job is to win. And um, he did do some interesting things and some different junk defenses or gimmick defenses, if you want to call them that. But, I mean, if you're a pro, you know, (laughs) I don't know how you call it, you know, a janky defense or whatnot. It it either stops you or it doesn't. So, But, yes, he did do some interesting things. And Nick Nurse is a a blue-collar grinder who took the long road um, to success, you know, didn't have any handouts or things given to him. Um, you know, and, and he, he really, he's a quality character guy. He works hard. And, uh, you know, in, in this, in this business, you, you got to have a little luck on your side and a little timing on your side, but if you stick with it and you, and you put in the, the effort and you learn and, and you're a hard worker, you know, some good things can happen for you. And, you know, we always hear about the, the high profile coaches, and the guys with the coaching pedigree who, you know, whose parents were, you know, whose dad was a coach or, you know, who coached under the, the elite coaches. And, um, you know, Nick is quite different than that. And I'll tell you this, for any young young guy out there, I guess you don't even have to be young, but any aspiring coach 
who's trying to come up through the ranks or who's busting their butt for no money or volunteering or can't quite find the, the, the break that they want. If you're not inspired this basketball season by Chris Beard going to the national championship game with Texas Tech and Nick Nurse winning the NBA championship with the Toronto Raptors, I mean, those are those are as as true blue collar success stories in the coaching business as you could ever come across. Just guys who were rewarded for having a tremendous amount of grit. Now, some people will say this, and, and I've had this question with some coaches and, and a coach's discussion and everything like that. Was Nick Nurse right place, right time? But obviously, let us rewind a little bit with Toronto. There was a, a few moves that were made that some people scratched their head and said, oh, well, how did Toronto, why did Toronto do this? And one of the big moves was, besides Duran, Duran, DeMar DeRozan getting traded, which I thought that was a good trade because Kawhi is better than him, uh, Dwayne Casey getting fired even though he won coach of the year. Some ask, is Nick Nurse a better coach than Dwayne Casey? Was he the one that kind of elevated them, or was it basically you had Kawhi, Dwayne could have probably won with Kawhi anyway? How do you? How can you differentiate who's a great coach? Well, I mean, that's something we could talk about for hours. Um, you know, the, the top and bottom line is, you you can always you can always uh, guess and theorize. Mm-hmm. The top bottom line is, is Nick Nurse won and Dwayne Casey didn't. Um, my personal opinion is that Nick Nurse is a better tactician. Mm-hmm. Um, but at times, at times, good coaches get fired. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Dwayne Casey was a coach of the year uh, and he won a lot of games. But at times within programs, and especially at the professional level, probably more than high school and college, um, things get stagnant. And, and you just can't get over the hump. And it doesn't mean that Dwayne Casey wasn't a good coach. He had success before. He had success there. But it's how do you define success? And then if you reach a plateau, sometimes just the voice and the approach needs to change. Um, now, I would argue anybody who's a head coach at any level, high school through professional, at some point, you were just in the right place at the right time. At some point, you know, you had to get chosen by the right person who wanted to choose you to fit leading that program and the job had to be open i mean you can't you can't you can't just say or think or be the right fit for a job if the job's not open so it's always you could argue it's always about timing Mm -hmm. um always uh so you know of course as i said you know a few minutes ago you got to have some luck you got to have some timing but there's a lot of skill and grit and hard work and perseverance that goes along with that. It, it, but it's got to all, it's got to all, uh, the stars have to align for you for something special like that to happen. Um, like happened this year for, for both Chris and Nick. You, you also have talent too. You, you, you know, you got to have the horses in the stable. You can't have lame horses sure. or, you know, the hundred horsepower, uh, civic with no power adders versus the, the Hellcat, uh, challenger, you know, you just, you just have sure. to, you just have to, no have doubt. You, you, you can overachieve maybe for one night, mm-hmm. but you can't overachieve like that in a seven game series. If you don't have enough power or in a, you know, six, six, seven game NCAA tournament. Um, now that's the biggest difference between college and pro. Like in, in the college, the head coach is responsible for going to get his players in the professional level. Most of the organizations, you get the players that they provide for you. <laughs> and you got to do something with it. And sometimes, you know, some coaches want to be GM. You know, if you're going to have me cook the dinner, at least let me pick the groceries. You know, you would argue that it helps because sometimes it's not, well, uh, a lot of times it's not just about the quote unquote talent, it's also about the chemistry and the fit and the style. True. 
do you think Kawhi stays now that we're going into free agency, or was it you know now Majiri looks like a, a genius as a GM, and the Washington Wizards trying to offer him ten million plus a little piece of the organization by going with that move? Yeah, you know I have no idea why Kawhi wouldn't stay, but my gut and heart tells me that he will not. Well, at least they got a championship out of it. Absolutely, absolutely. Cleveland got one out of LeBron. Toronto got one out of Kawhi, you know, and it's from their standpoint, it is a business. Unfortunately, it goes against kind of my morals and character and thought process. But in, in this industry, there's zero loyalty and they can talk about it all they want. But players, coaches, owners, organizations, there is almost zero loyalty. Yeah, I kind of learned that this year in my uh, coaching journey. I've I've, kind of realized that. (laughs) Kind of like every man for himself. But sometimes you have to place yourself in the right opportunity. Or sometimes, you know, like you said, chemistry on the court with the coaching staff or with the coaching staff and dealing with organization or administration. There's got to be a chemistry there, too. Yep. No, there's no doubt about it. They all got to be in sync. Um, you know, I've worked for in, in organizations, especially at the college level, where the coaching staff was had tremendous chemistry, but the administration didn't support them or the administration wasn't on the same page. I've been other places where the administration was pretty strong and the coaching staff had horrible chemistry. So, you know, it, it definitely all has to align. That's for sure. Now the NBA season is over. The draft just happened obviously congratulations to the raptors winning it uh now we're looking forward to some people say the offseason nba offseason overshadows the regular season because everyone's ready for the drama uh first thing is your thoughts on the draft a little bit zion williamson obviously number one then they go with john morant a really cool story with him did you try to recruit him too i mean because i know you're always (laughs) in there did not okay you didn't Didn't, see him in the gym eating popcorn on the three-on-three like the other guy did no, to be honest, I'd never heard of him before he uh, before he busted on the scene this past season. And then R.J. Barrett to the Knicks. Here's the question. Last year, R.J. Barrett was the predicted number one. Did the Knicks really get a steal in this draft? Um, so I, I don't remember R.J. Barrett ever being predicted number one, but maybe he was. I don't really pay much attention to rankings or projections. Um, you know, uh, you can never determine who's a steal in a draft until about three years from now. So I don't know that, uh, you know, of course, all the writers and the analysts, you know, they got to get paid. Mm-hmm. Uh, the radio show hosts, you know, you guys got to get paid to talk about this kind of stuff. But the steal will be determined three years from now. Mm-hmm. And more than likely, it won't be R.J. Barrett. It's hard to be a steal of the draft if you're a top five or eight pick. The steal, the steal will be someone that was picked in the 20s or even in the second round who is a starter or a borderline all-star player in three years. Okay. And they'll probably will be one. You know, I don't know for sure who it'll be, but I don't know that um, no matter what happens. When, when, you're a, when you're a top five pick, I don't know that you can ever be the steal. You can pretty much be what was expected or you can be a disappointment or a bust. Well, yeah, well, I guess I guess some people would look at it as if they get R.J. Barrett and let's say he does a little bit better than Zion. And, and, and really, I mean, let's face it, the Knicks have been a really horrible franchise the last 20 years. I mean, they've had a little speck or dirt here of decent success. But overall, in the last 20 years, the Knicks have just been horrid. Let's say R.J. Barrett changes that around. In some people's eyes, they would figure that R.J. Barrett, you know, he fell into the Knicks' laps. You know, at the three pick, a lot of the Knicks fans wanted, or a lot of the pundits wanted Zion. 
Yeah, um, you know, potentially, but I don't know that that makes either one of them a, a success or a bust. I mean, that just shows the power of the lottery. Um, if anything, uh, you know, Barrett and Morant, because Morant a year ago really wasn't um, a consideration, and then he just kept shooting well, a year and a half ago, and he shot way up the draft board. So for a mid-major guy to be taken over uh, someone of the royalty of Duke, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, if, if Morant does not turn out, then people can quickly say, well, you know, he didn't have the pedigree and he played against lesser talent. And, you know, all the same things that were said when 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 guys like C.J. McCollum or D- Damian Lillard and people like that are, are picked. Um, you know, there's a lot of mid-major guys who've been picked who didn't have the success that, that the ones I just mentioned did. So, so I think that's when you kind of get thrown in the face. Like, how would you, how would you turn down a guy from Duke and take a guy from Murray State? But, but, but really, you know, again, in my opinion, the, the steal of the draft will be, you know, someone that was from pick ten on. Um, you know, and the, and the one that really fell, at least fell from the from the beginning of this season until now would be the the cam reddish from duke because you know they were talking early on that they could go one two three certainly all three in the top five you know he's still a lottery pick so you can't say he just fell but he's you know you fell down to pick number 10 with the atlanta hawks right darius garland with the Cavs. your thoughts uh they already got colin sexton there were some people that were kind of scratching their head so i don't love darius garland as a top five pick traditionally however I do think it's very interesting because I think he's a tremendous pick for John Beeline. And we talked about chemistry and we talked about, you know, the fit a little bit ago. And I think a guy who played in Vanderbilt system and played under Bryce Drew um, and kind of has that, that, that same mentality and mindset of how Beeline wants to play. I see why they moved and, 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 and did some jockeying to be able to get him and not have a chance of losing him at five. And I also... You know, I think that's a great fit for him and the Cleveland Cavaliers. And, you know, I also I don't think Dylan Windler goes at 26 if he doesn't get picked by Cleveland. But a knockdown catch and shoot guy who's super skilled and knows how to play coming out of that Belmont system, you know, really fits a guy, you know, that could have played at Michigan. So so those two picks for Cleveland, I thought were tremendous picks. The, the head scratchers, you know, Cleveland got Porter the last pick of the first round. And Porter is extremely talented. He's very, very raw, but he's he's kind of wild and undisciplined and not as skilled and doesn't defend. So I don't know that he he's uh, necessarily a beeline fit. It'll be interesting if he actually ends up on the roster or if he's trade bait or if he just doesn't ever, you know, doesn't pan out for Cleveland. But the first two picks that Cleveland caught, I was like, okay, yeah, they they, they definitely make sense for, for a rebuilding team and for John Beeline, how he's going to want to play. Now you notice that a lot of, Guys who don't want to do the one and done route are going overseas or playing the G League. Darius Baisley goes at 23. We talked about him last year. Was it actually a good idea for him to go to the G League, or should he have just went to Syracuse and maybe built his brand, had some games on ESPN, and maybe could have raised his stock? Well, you know, I I, I don't know. It's it, you, you will never know for sure, but um. It's what fit him and his family and his desire best. You know, he got paid a little bit of money and he didn't have to go to class. Uh, you know, he didn't get the same exposure. So, you know, you're kind of trading one thing for other. You're less exposure, um, less responsibility, and you're able to get a little money financially if, you're, if your family is in a situation where, where you needed it. And, you know, hey, he got to see another part of the world as well. 
I actually thought he would slip to the early second round. So, you know, he got taken, you know, late first round. So his first round draft pick with Oklahoma. Um, you know, he's actually, yeah, like you said, he's from Cincinnati. I actually know his high school coach. His high school coach I recruited, and he played at Bowling Green, mm-hmm. uh, one of his high school coaches. Right, so, um, yeah, Mr. Wright, I believe. Yeah, yeah Stephen Wright. Yep. Stephen Wright was a, a, a started his career at Bowling Green, and uh, he got off to a real nice start, and then he transferred. Uh, yep. But, but you know, it was, it was definitely an interesting interesting decision they made a year ago to, to go to Europe, but I think you're going to see more and more guys do that because they, they'd rather get a little bit of money up front than have to go to school. Or if you're a guy, and, and this never really gets publicized, but if you're a guy who's not going to qualify for Division One, and then you're forced you know, to go to junior college or prep school route, then all of a sudden I think it's even more attractive to just get your passport and, and, and try a different route. Yeah, and then Bowl Bowl dropping. You see this every year, and you feel bad for the kid. He gets, you know, invited to the green room, and then, like, him and Nasir Little were just sitting there, and it's just like, eh, hopefully they get picked. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, there's always someone in the green room who, does, who, you know, who either doesn't get picked or they get picked way later. But, you know, it's it's always a gamble. And, and you know, Bowl Bowl with his family's NBA ties, uh, both with, with as a player and both then as a, as a staffer afterwards with Manu. Um, you know, it's neat to see him there, and it's and it's a neat story. Um, but you know, now he's got an opportunity, and and what you know, green room or not, and I know we've talked about this on past episodes. You know, there's 60 picks. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember the stats last year, but I think it was two years ago. Only 28 out of the 60, you know, made a made an opening day roster. So now it's like the 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 battle's not over. I mean, this is the the draft is the pop and circumstance. Um, first rounders are guaranteed a little money. Uh, but but these guys aren't all guaranteed a job, you know. Now you know they got to play in NBA summer league. They got to you know they'll all go to training camp, uh, but they're not gu- guaranteed a roster spot. They're not guaranteed to be in the NBA. They could be in the NBA. They could be in the NBA D League. Uh, they could be a two way player. They could just be a straight D League player, or they could end up opting out and being overseas because they don't make make a team. So the battle is just beginning or beginning. I'm sorry, um, but you know don't don't uh, don't be naive to think that all 60 of these guys are going to make uh an nba roster and then also you know history uh, teaches us that there's some guys that didn't get picked last night um who will end up on an nba roster so the draft is more about uh the pomp and circumstance of the deal but it by no means is is the end-all be-all decision fred van fleet got a championship uh cars uh but he was undrafted out of wichita state so you know sometimes if you're undrafted you don't uh get uh picked up last thing Lakers good trade um what's your outlook on that well I guess it's a good trade because it's what they wanted right they've been wanting Anthony Davis for like a year LeBron wanted Anthony Davis LeBron's camp wanted Anthony Davis they have the same agent um so there was a whole lot of people trying to get Anthony Davis to LA Anthony Davis wanted to go to LA so I guess it's a good trade for LA okay everybody got what they wanted but man to give up seven people (laughs) <laughs> for one um and you know some picks. It, it well that's what i'm saying it, it, it's a seven eventually it's seven players for one it's it's very very hard to justify that seven players for one player just seems like a whole lot but like i said um uh i, I think i think everyone's happy because anthony wanted to be there lebron wanted him there rich paul wanted him there the lakers wanted him there so he's there, and they gave up seven guys. None of them were world beaters, but they did give up seven guys. 
Um, so I think New, or- New, uh, New Orleans feels good about it, too. Obviously, they wanted to keep him. But if you can't keep him and he's disgruntled, at least if you get seven opportunities to add to your team, you know, now, now let's not be confused either. All seven of them guys are seven, you know, the picks and the players, they won't all ever play for New Orleans. Mm-hmm. But, if, but if they get three or four that really work out and, and are rotation guys, well, then, you know, I guess it's better than him just leaving free agency. I guess, you know, I, I think both teams won, and I think both teams are very, very happy. And I, I'm not so sure that at the end of the day, New Orleans may not come out on the better end of it. Yeah, or will you believe what uh, LeVar Ball said? The Lakers will never win a championship because they got rid of his boy. I mean, I don't believe – I mean, LeVar Ball is just – you know, he's like keeping up with the Kardashians. It's like nothing – he's worse than that because he just says, he just says things for attention. Um, there's no relevance to it. You know, n- none of us have a crystal ball to know if the Lakers are going to win – next year or ever but to say ever when you use the word a definitive like ever again i mean that's just ridiculous yeah that is very ridiculous but i will say this though his younger son has a lot of potential though he's he's really good um, so we we won't see the last of lavar oh no he, he see he's not going anywhere <laughs> <laughs> well thanks so much darren for calling in man you always a, a pleasure i know you got to get on the road but we wanted to do this quick uh recap and th- since the summer league's coming up i think in the next couple of weeks you'll be out in vegas and rubbing elbows with the big guys and all that yeah second week of july is nba summer league so that's really the mad mad rush right now all the you know the the the, the draft picks and stuff that's sort of cut and dry but now all the leftovers if you will are fighting and scrambling to try to get on a summer league roster uh summer league roster um can can really provide huge implications because if you perform well, um, you know, you're, you're almost guaranteed a, a training camp invite, even if it's not for the team that you're on the summer league roster with. Right. There's a lot of training camp invites that go out. Um, you get invited to a different training camp than the team you played summer league with. And then the other thing is it, 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 there's there's always 50 guys in NBA summer league who aren't NBA potential. But just by getting on a, a summer league roster you can you can add 25 to 50 percent to your European contract rate. You know the amount of money that you'll be able to get your first year over in Europe will really jump up just because you are. You, they can advertise you as a guy who is in NBA summer league. Wow! So it's all that. It's it's a, it's a hustle. It's the wheel and deal and the hustle. Everything is a hustle, my man. It's all about relationships. It's all a hustle. You got to get in where you fit in. Isn't it also where you kind of put out your resume if you're a trainer or a coach that you're trying to get on the staff out there, college and pro, or is it just basically pro? So, um, I mean, it's not necessarily like a like a resume type thing, but it certainly is the networking mecca of the NBA industry. Um, the NBA Summer League would be comparable to a college coach at the NCAA final four. That's the kind of the national convention, the national, cause everybody's there. It's the only time during the NBA year where everybody's in one place, players, agents, coaches, general managers, owners, management. Um, it used to be like that at all-star weekend, but not all-star weekends become a little bit more of a break for some people during the season. Uh, but but NBA Summer League, everybody's out there. You know, the, if you want a job in the NBA, Derek, the hottest place to be 
the second week of July will be Top Golf Las Vegas. That's where a lot of business happens. <laughs> Figuratively and literally, the hottest place, obviously, yes, sir. Yes, sir. is Vegas. Well, the, you know. the Thomas and Max Center, uh, UNLV's campus, and Top Golf. Top Golf be cracking. <laughs> really? What's Top Golf? Is that? Oh, Top Golf is is those uh those high end like 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 uh, driving range nightclubs that are popping up around the country. Oh yeah yeah I've seen that. Yeah, and there's and the, and the one in Vegas during NBA Summer League is is just star studded the whole week. All the NBA players, the celebrities, the musicians, the rappers, they all go from NBA uh, Summer League, go get dinner, go hang out at Top Golf, have a couple cocktails, and then late night go go to Dre's where all the rappers perform. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, this is, this is. I bet you it's a sight to see for you, huh? You, you, it's really good people watching. Well, people watching. You know, you got to be in the scene. You got, you got to be, you got to be in the action to be a part of the action. And then, uh, you know, and that's that's the that's. I mean, it's it's the best. I, I'd have to tell you some stories offline, my man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's something that's work safe, as they like to say, man. <laughs> well, I know you keep packing up and getting on the road once again. Thanks so much, Coach Cone. All right, later, brother. All right, man. Be good. Yep, that was Darren Cohn, the coach. Giving you an insight of what goes on at the uh, NBA Summer League. Like he said before, you know, we're going to have to have maybe an offline show or some a special segment with him to give us, the, you know, some of the, I guess, the cleaned up, sweeped up under the rug version of his stories. But once again, thanks for him calling in, talking a little bit about the NBA Finals and his thoughts on the NBA Draft. When we return, we'll have more after further review make sure you always check us out though on soundcloud and on itunes that's where we post up our segments if you're on itunes make sure you give us a rating uh the, the better the rating the more the the our podcast gets circulated out there once again this is after further review on 88.3 wxut we'll be back after this <laughs> 